This is Total Retail Tech Insights. The content retail executives need to optimize their use of technology throughout their organizations. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. I'm Joe Keenan, Editor-in-Chief of Total Retail, and I am joined on today's episode by Brian McGlynn, the General Manager of E-Commerce at Covio. Uh, Brian and I are going to talk a little bit about Covio's business, including its recent acquisition of Qubit, uh, and uh, a little bit about how it can help our audience of retail executives. So thank you for joining me today, Brian. Well, thanks, Joe. It's great to hear to represent Coveo and talk about uh, a lot of interesting topics, exciting things, certainly in the retail industry over the last couple of years and certainly the last year and just from what we've seen in, what, in our business as well. So I've been with Coveo for close to three years on top of almost over 20 years in the e-commerce and marketing technology space. So seen a lot of changes and clearly, uh, as they always say with the proverb, always living in interesting times, I can certainly say <laughs> that that's been the case in the, the last couple of years as well. So Joe, thanks for inviting me on the show. Yeah, we're excited to have you, Brian. And uh, I think this is really going to be an interesting conversation. I guess this is get us started before we kind of dive into the subject matter um, and talk about some of those interesting topics that we want to get to. It, it would be helpful for the audience to just give a brief uh, uh, overview of your career a little bit. Um, I mentioned your role as general manager of e-commerce at Covio. Um, but tell us a little bit about your journey and and how you ended up there and uh, and your current role. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, going through it, it's, I mean, once again, how long is the podcast? No, just kidding. We've got <laughs> a little bit of work from, from that. So I've been here for about uh, three years at Coveo, and I lead uh, really a couple of our groups. We have our e-commerce solutions and website solutions group, really focused on customer conversions and bringing in and, and really enabling customers to find what they need, uh, make recommendations and items from there. So I, I came here almost three years ago to build the line of business. And a lot of it was uh, just to go in and take from a, what, a 15 year experience that Coveo's had as being a company in and around enterprise search and helping information uh, be found by organizations and really driving it just through relevant experiences. And uh, it was a happenstance meeting I had in New York City with uh, my previous company, Innershop, where I led uh, the North American operations there. And that was an e-commerce platform and had reached out to Coveo because I wanted to bring in technology to help serve our customers in, in the e-commerce world, to, uh, really to help them find what they're looking for. And having been in search for 15 years uh, from previous other companies such as Autonomy and uh, Interwoven to really bring that together and see, here's an opportunity to really enrich our capabilities and enrich what we did for our, our customers. So the meeting with uh, really our CEO at, at Coveo, uh, starting to talk about a partnership, it turned into more of a conversation about not a partnership, but coming aboard to join this company and, and really build and grow this particular business. So I've, over the years, I've worked with many B2B, B2C e-commerce companies to go through and help them on their digital journeys as they look to digitize or really grow and build uh, their capabilities along the line. So yeah, from there, it's been been really a wild ride. Yeah. in a good way, just as we've gone through as well. Yeah, it's exciting. Um, so that gives us a little background on you personally. Uh, how about just a minute or so or, or a brief overview of uh, Coveo's business? I think most are probably in the audience familiar with it, but for those that aren't, maybe if you just give us a quick uh, overview of the work that uh, Coveo does. Absolutely. So Coveo is certainly, we made some news. We had an IPO this year and we can certainly go into that a little deeper as well. We went public 
Uh, so if anybody wants to get all the, the nitty gritty and, and where we are, we're on the Toronto Stock Exchange and CVO is, uh, is our ticker. We actually went public right around U.S. Thanksgiving. So Coveo, we're over 600 people. We're headquartered in Quebec City. We've got offices in London, New York, and uh, in, in Montreal, where I'm based out of. And we worked through, we, we've been incorporated and active since 2005 and really focusing on solving uh, rele relevancy issues for customers. So whether it be customer that are trying to find support for a product they bought. We're there to really, the questions they ask, bring the relevant information by way of a search box or a product recommendation in this case. So we've done that where people may have gone in the likes of many technology companies and others uh, talking about uh, what the issues are or others that have gone in to look for product documentation. We've been there to do that. And at the same time, going in and helping organizations be more powerful and really empowering their, their employees. Really three imperatives we followed from where CEOs would be looking at acquiring customers, making their employees more proficient in answering questions, and ultimately making it so where customers are really engaged and really focus on the long-term liability and viability of an organization through support. So through that particular journey over the years, we've grown to really, as our prospectus says, over $72 million of recurring revenue. So we've come, in this case, definitely a leader in our business. And from there, it's been continued growth and continued excitement as we've gone forward. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really helpful and provides a good uh, uh, background for the audience. You mentioned uh, the IPO filing. You know, last year, 2021, was a, was a busy one for Coveo with the IPO filing as well as the acquisition of uh, Qubit. So can you give our audience a little bit of a, an overview of that acquisition of Qubit and the kind of the subsequent integration of those two platforms and what it can mean for retail brands and, uh, and their customers as well? The Qubit was really a, an important strategic acquisition for us. And we looked at a lot of companies. We certainly had raised capital in 2019 pre-IPO. We, we've had a very successful growing business uh, as our prospectus and certainly industry analysts have pointed out. So we're at a point where we looked at at the point of what can we do to really further accelerate the growth in our product capabilities uh, as well really in market presence. So Qubit based in London and the UK has been in business for uh, in this case uh, over 10 years, serving a lot of luxury brands, uh, the likes of Gucci, LVMH and others uh, as well with uh, many leading retailers. And from that part, we looked at Qubit as an opportunity for us to come aboard and really augment and grow our capabilities, add some amazing people with amazing backgrounds and some really strong brands that, that can help supplement. What's it's really interesting is where Coveo's come forward, we've always been very well known, very well tooled in providing enterprise search solutions. So from a, a retailer's point of view, we'd power the search box, we power the recommendations, the listing pages and other items, really the purpose of driving additional revenue. Qubit, very similar. Uh, they didn't come from the search side, but a lot of it is where they'd come in in providing recommendations, providing personalized and really bespoke experiences for the customers. So for the same purpose of boosting revenue. So where they may come in and offer, uh, you think about on their side, maybe a 10% boost on revenue for what they do for a retailer and a customer. We've seen similar items where search is involved. So ultimately by combining these, this is where we can provide an even more augmentative lift and revenue for our customers. So it, for us, it was really a very strong point where it just aligned. I mean, that's just from a technology and marketplace. And culturally, it was a case where we literally vetted a lot of companies as potential acquisition partners and ones that we can come in and, and grow. But all said, Qubit, it just 
fit the mold across the board on the parts. So that's where we were excited to bring the company in. And what's great is actually a lot of the leadership roles, even within the combined company, we have Qubit people that are coming in and, and driving that. So from our side, it's been a, a great acquisition and really what, what I believe has been strategic and it's going to set us up for the ability that we can deliver to our customers uh, mutually on both sides uh, with respect to converting and, and growing their businesses. Yeah, and I think that's a key point you make. The alignment, obviously, the technology integration between the two companies is critical. But then that cultural piece as well, as you mentioned, you know, finding the right partner that you uh, share common values. And it seems like that's been the case with the uh, acquisition of Qubit. Absolutely. And that's really the thing we look at is just the part is, is we go in, certainly in the war on talent there, we look at, they call the great resignation and, and never more has there been a point, at least in recent history of people going back and forth between positions. So this has been a big part for us to be able to go in and, and look at the people and, and what we've done. So what's great is just that ability. The integration has been very, very quick. We've merged our teams. We've actually called it an amalgamation. We don't even call it an integration. It's an amalgamation. And that's what all of our, our meetings are all about is how we get together and really just build out and, and grow stronger. And, and it's been a case where just noticing where we were, it's been at this point, so we look at the dates, it's been just really one calendar quarter from where we've been, but it feels like we've been working together for a while just with how well the teams have gelled together. Yeah, that's a great sign. And, um, you know, and bringing a stronger offering to market, as you mentioned, the um, I want to touch on kind of the core piece of of Coveo's business and you kind of as a, that enterprise search that it's powered. Um, let's let's kind of take a step back and talk a little bit about uh, the challenges that brands and retailers may face today with regard to product discovery and on site on site search um, and how a platform such as Coveo and AI can help to solve those challenges. You know, this, is, you know, this is an area we look at it and it's, it's an interesting part. You think about some of the giants that are out there, who's really, really successful in e-commerce. I mean, certainly the A word comes to mind with Amazon. And you think about Amazon, it's a search engine. That's what they go into. It's a recommendation engine, two of the most powerful pieces of tech. And they've been doing this since the 90s. And that's really what's defined the expectation of the user. You look at Google, you look at the likes of a lot of the giants that are out there. And why search does so well is a case where it's really, you can go in as a shopper, you can ask a question. And if it understands it well, understands the content, gives you back something that you want. Now, taking it to the next level, this is where the AI part comes in and from scale. So as organizations, one, as people get trained for the likes of, of Yahoo or of Google and what would go on with Amazon, by all the various different work, really the understanding and deep understanding of what gets in from a user, a lot of that can get applied. And, and by applying it, that's where we really see the, the benefits on it. Now, the, the hard part is organizations and a lot of retailers would go through and look at it. They don't, they don't have the billions of dollars in many cases or, or really the, the background to invest in that. That's where the difference comes in of going in and looking at certainly what we do, what we see a marketplace to do and offer is by bringing in AI. And AI is where our, really our mantra has been taking personalization that scales. E-commerce, we look at it in three different waves. Wave one was going in and in the building of e-commerce, taking your products and getting them for sale. Wave two was the back office focus, putting hands in the putting tools in the in the hands of merchandisers to be able to go in and pick product selectment and, and assortment. And really, the third wave where we on right now is for us to go in and, and really with clients and, and retailers looking at. How do we go through and really meet the demands and anticipate the demands of the consumers? So really the focus on the consumer. 
a lot of the tools were merchandisers would bucket and put segments and have segments of 10 and other parts worked for a while, but our expectations have changed. The market have changed. And with that, AI is at the centerpiece in the only way that to go in and provide that really tailored, personalized experience at scale. And we say at scale, the millions and billions of transactions that are out there. That's why we look at it as, as absolutely an imperative for any organization that wants to be relevant today and certainly wants to be relevant in growing in their marketplace tomorrow to embrace, not just give AI a, a little bit of a mention, but truly embrace AI in, in their experience of which search recommendation are really the, the pinnacles of where that comes into any shopping experience. And I would imagine, Brian, over the last you know 18 months to two years, um, as consumer behaviors have shifted so rapidly and you know, what was trending as uh, more digital commerce opportunities have really just taken off. And it's become that browsing behavior, that search behavior that might have been taking place in physical retail for some customers um, at retail stores is now taking place online. And that same experience, level of experience is expected. Tell us a little bit about just kind of current landscape, what you're hearing from your customers, retail customers, in terms of uh, the current landscape and how your product and, and platform are helping to deliver a better experience for online shoppers. Two major changes we've seen, we look at our customer base and we look at really the leaders that are out there. I'll start with one is, is really the elimination of the channel. So we say by the channel or, or the amalgamation of the channel, maybe a better way to look at it. We've heard the terms omni-channel, we've heard multi-channel. The past e-commerce, you'd look at commerce sales, you look at sales in a particular store. But you think about it is that the experience from where a user comes into, and we're seeing a lot of the leaders go into, is it spans across that. And at the end of the day, there's one top number for a retailer that comes in in net sales. Clearly, there's understandings of where the channels go in and would drive that. I'll take it for example. I went through and bought a house uh, in the craziness of the market last year and bought a house that's 121 years old. So with that, a lot of work, a lot of work in repairing lath and plaster walls and other sorts of things and projects that would go into it. So what that means is a lot of trips to a, a DIY store down the street to go through and do it. Now, the interesting part, there's a few within our, our reaches here in Montreal. And what it came into is you think about the, the overall experience. Well, part of it is, do you want to go get a new set of doors? You can shop at home. You can go into the store and do that. Well, one of the store's experiences, you go in and you can literally take an app, do a search, even from a web page, and within the store, be directed to relevant information, quantity information, the exact location in a shelf and where you can find things. Or the other, where you go in and you do a search and quantity's off, you may not find it, you may not even get it. So price is certainly an interesting part, but realistically, if you can't find it, you're not even able to compare the price. Right. So that whole idea, just getting into where the, the mobile is embedded in the experience, where it's it's not one channel or the other. We're seeing that certainly from our own experiences. Our retailers are reaching out to us saying, we want to be relevant. We see brick and mortar as an advantage and an advantage for customer acquisition, digital inventories at an all-time all scarceness, what can we do to take our brick and mortar and make it be more effective? How do we really flatten the channels? That's, that's been a huge piece we've seen research is at the in recommendation right at the pinnacle of that. I'm also interested in your take, um, you know, with the, you're talking about these personalized online shopping experiences and you know, the, something to factor in as we look ahead is the impending sort of demise of or elimination of third-party cookies and, and what that means in terms of being able to get that valuable tracking data 
in your experience and 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 what you're doing at Coveo, tell us a little bit about how it might be possible to personalize the uh, even a first time shopper's experience in in near real time without third party cookies. Well, that's actually that was right into my point too. That's exactly what we look at the second item we're getting a lot of interest in. It's something we solved for prior to the cookie apocalypse. So we look at it. We we acquired a company called Tuso almost two and a half, three years ago, really a very, very strong R&D in the areas of AI and machine learning. And we solve what we think is really, it solved and addressed an issue around third-party data and privacy, where we looked at the, the bigger problem is any retailer is, is the cold start in personalization. Now you take, for example, an Amazon, you take, for example, uh, some or even some Macy's or some of the really, really big IR1000 IR uh, top 10 sorts of retailers that are out there, they've got billions, if not trillions of transaction data items that they can use to train machine learning models, along with billions and billions of dollars of computer infrastructure. They can do it. They have the scale and the teams to go into it. But you take, for example, the rest, which is, is even more of the long tail is still in the case of trillions of dollars of gross merchandise volume out there. And it comes into what's the cold start problem. Well, the cold start can be two things. One, not enough information to go in and train models. And the other is cold start for a shopper without a detailed set of data to come in, which realistically, you look at the analog world, it's not that different. So you take an excellent experience where you walk into a sporting goods store and by walking in the door, you can go in and there's this contextual clue, certainly time of season. Is it warm, cold, summer, winter? What's going on in the season? Walking into a particular department, maybe it's golf, picking up a club and asking somebody, hey, do you have any tees here? Or do you have any balls? Or do you have gloves here? Being that you're in the golf section, or you've looked at those particular items, that has that has, has connotation of what you might be interested in on that particular session. So within the session, there's absolutely a need to understand those cues and understand the context of the user. And once again, you look at it, in some studies that we've seen in our study, it was up to 95% of people have not logged in when they've gone to a site. And then you see others where sometimes 70%. So you're dealing with a large anonymous public. And the same thing, when you look at retailers in the physical world, it's been the same exact thing. They've had to go in and train people to go and really understand and get these clues. And that's where the difference gets made. So by taking that into account and really focusing your machine learning models on the product catalog, focusing it on those particular parts. And we've developed some intellectual property. It's basically, we call it product to vector in our implementation of that. And the product to vector allows us to go in and really understand and decompose product catalogs into multidimensional space to where a person can navigate through them digitally. And we understand the clues, understand the interest and use that intent to learn from it. And then ultimately personalize that instance of an experience. So it's relevant to that time of year and others. And what's great about it we, even without cookies, we provide that excellent experience. So the whole idea of cookies and being able to transfer that back and forth, it really becomes irrelevant. And that's something we've dealt with trying to solve another problem, but with the impending demise of that, and, and certainly as Apple and, and others get really strict on, on people's personal data, which we, we certainly agree with actually as a, or other lines of business and the healthcare work that or industry that we've been in, having data privacy, we think is important. It's going to be more and more strict when you think of GDPR and other parts around there. So solving for that and at the same time, getting a silver lining where we're producing a better result, we certainly see as, uh, as an interesting way to, to serve the problem. Yeah. And, and, and just to further dig into that a little bit, um, are you then 
So that intent data, it's based on some of the browse behavior starting at a category level level, and then filtering down even to uh, individual product. And, and based upon that huge, vast volume of data and using machine learning models without having a customer being logged in or knowing exactly from a third-party cookie who that customer is, you can personalize the experience based upon some of that um, browse data. Absolutely. And it's interesting. So product to vector, we go in, we'll take a product catalog and a, a large retailer may have 500,000 items, just items. Then you have size, fitment, you have all the other items. But what we're able to do is learn the dimensional differences in space between it. So it's really cool where you can go in and, and essentially as someone would navigate a store, as they're clicking around a website, they're physically navigating in that multi-dimensional space. And we actually modeled it after some interesting physics around the way water flows downhill and using that to predict buy versus browse intent and other parts and essentially apply that into a product listing. And from there generate really, really good and strong results that come out of it. So that, that's exactly what we're doing. That's uh, it's really interesting stuff. And, um, you know, calls to mind the, those personalized individual experiences that can, the expectation of the consumer is now that they're going to get that. And, uh, and it's, uh, Coveo is helping to provide that for its retail clients. That's, uh, great to know. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about, um, you know, RSR research in, in connection with, uh, in collaboration rather with Coveo, um, recently released a new report. And it, uh, one of the findings I thought was super interesting was that 98% of retail executives say they're currently using or planning to use AI and machine learning in the next 18 months. I'm interested to get your take on that, Brian. What does that tell you? And uh, one, is it surprising to you or maybe not? And what do you think it means for kind of the future of uh, the retail industry? It doesn't surprise me. And it's a thing where I think any executive who's not planning to use AI, I think the board would question why they're employed there. And there's no question that there's absolutely a need for, for that. It's it's absolutely an imperative. And we, we looked at it even two years ago, a lot of the narrative we had in the conversation was you think about Amazon, they don't, they, they don't set the bar, they are the bar. And when you go in and you're just clicks away from going through and really providing a delightful experience, it's a case of you have a very, very, very small amount of time and a window of time to attract a user. The reality is within the digital channels, there's so many of them there. They're so available to go through. And then as well, the, the level of, an, of, in, of customization, personalization necessary, you absolutely have to use AI. So it doesn't surprise me that execs are, are looking at it in the next 18 months. What surprises me that it's really would be the level of adoption now there's certainly some leaders that are out there. And to give an idea, the leaders, uh, COVID benefited. And you take, for example, what went on, COVID as we see it, certainly in the e-commerce world, it, it was a fast forward button to for innovation. It, it hit the fast forward and what would have taken place naturally in six years took place in six months. And with that, part of it was going in and looking at, at AI, looking at the overall experience. So E-commerce went from a, a penetration, maybe 13% of all sales. I think it hit near tw over 20 at this point with what we saw in, in that. Amazon's revenue grew, but their share did not, which was an interesting part. So the likes of a lot of point-to-point -point retailers, they gained back a lot of ground. 
And what was very clear on any of the ones that gained ground, it was AI that drove it. So it's an imperative to get it out there. What, what I really find to be interesting is where the execution of bringing AI and, and how it's going to take place in, uh, in the coming years as, as executives start looking at strategies and plans around that. Yeah, and I and I kind of agree with you. It doesn't surprise me that it's such a high figure. And, and my kind of thought process is just because of the, the flexibility of the technology across so many d- different functions of a retail organization. So we've talked a lot today about site navigation and merchandising your website and delivering those personalized uh, products and, and, you know, around the merchandising end. But, you know, AI, its uses in supply chain and customer service and marketing and, and down the line, store operations. Um, you know, so that's why I feel like um, it's not just limited to one particular function within a retail organization. I guess that's uh, why I don't think that that number is that surprising either. No, I mean, it, it, you absolutely hit it. It's a case of to be relevant, it absolutely has to get applied. You think about it from there, there's supply chain, there's customer analytics, think about fitment, assortments, a lot of the components that are out there in scale. So as you go in, products are getting more complex, opportunities are out there, marketplaces have become a reality that organizations need to look like. And overall customer experience absolutely needs to come in and really be first and foremost for those to be relevant. And those that COVID moved forward, they had a good bump, they continue to sail and ride that wave. Others that, that haven't, they need to address. And, and certainly we look at it. When you look at GameStop, there's a meme stock had to, all kinds of information that went up and down. What did they do? They're going in and shifting to e-commerce and other parts. And they're going in looking at NFTs and other parts along there as well to really transition. So there's a movement. So yeah, the, the number certainly doesn't surprise me. And, and it'll be interesting to see the ones that want to do it in a more bespoke compa- area, the ones that want to do it in partnering. So you take, for example, a Wayfair, they have over 2,300 uh, computer programmers and scientists on their staff. So if I'm a, a furniture retailer up in a small region of uh, whether it be in New York state or in Quebec or other parts around there to go in, you could either look at trying to hire an AI person or go in and look at a partner that can bring in different components for various and certainly our side around customer experience, but as well around uh, what we do for supply chain. You think about all the other optimizations that are out there. It's definitely here to stay. It's going to be an interesting case to see really how it rolls out into what way, whether it's more bespoke or it's a case that with partners and certainly working with firms like us to go in and partner to bring that in in a more accelerated fashion. Yeah. And from your experience and your retail clients in particular for uh, Coveo, are you uh, initially working with the CX teams and then uh, level of collaboration needed within an organization? What, what's, tell us a little bit about within a retail organization, what you're hearing from your clients in terms of implementing a platform such as uh, what Coveo offers and then how that can transform not just you know, CX, but other areas of the business as well. Yeah, there's, there's no question. I mean, we work with n- numerous different retailers. We work with B2B commerce and, and other parts. So we see a lot of aspects around it. And it really comes down to is, is the view of the customer and their view and the transformation. There's those that aspire to be number one and absolutely want to lead and they want to use technology as that differentiator, not necessarily from a cost reduction. I mean, we're all accountable to a PL, but it's a case where some are looking at it really being tech forward, saying we want to address it and look at the best partners that are out there. I worked with a company literally this week, had an executive meeting with their head of digital, and they've got members from some of the top digital brands like Amazon and others that are on their board that are pushing the envelope and pushing for action 
acquisition and pushing to move forward. So we certainly see that aspect of it. And the other aspect too, is, is, from an entry point, we're a strategic and there's a roadmap saying on CX, we absolutely need to make certain we're providing this part. Data is an asset. Let's treat data what we have as an asset to better serve customers. And that and there's those that have taken it from a strategic view. And that's really from a market share in, in the marathon that we're looking to run. They'll absolutely win on that. There's others that we work with too that have very specific needs that need to get fixed. And we have a, literally some of the most basic things that seem banal or uh, really mundane to go in is uh, just fixing problems, the expectation. And many times it's the CEO that will call us who uh, may he or, or she may have uh, their their significant other looking for a red hat. True story. One couldn't find one on the site. And they ended up calling their CIO from the private jet saying, need to get uh, this particular part fixed. Right. So that triggered off of you to say, all right, what's actually in it to make it so you can understand what is a hat? What is red? What does it mean? How do you show that to an end user? So it seems simple as human beings. These are the sorts of questions and answers we get with the machines. It's, it's a whole other level of complexity to understand what these things comprise and what are out there. And from a CX, perspective, that's one way we look at it. And that's generally where, where it is a trigger point. So it may be a case where it's plugging a gap on a particular item or part of a broader transformation where an organization is setting out to say, we're here and we need to get to here to be a leader in our particular area or maintain leadership. And what is it from the, the trends that we need to tap into? So exactly, we look at the, the uni-channel experience or the experience of dealing with the cookie apocalypse or even things we start looking at VR, the metaverse, a lot of these particular items that are out there. What's the next thing that we need to, to be investing in to be relevant and to further the brand along these lines as well? Yeah, and that level of complexity, obviously. Um, and the other piece of it, and to your point, you've talked about scale is the speed at which you're able to decision make with these technologies, um, you know, powering your decision making. Absolutely. When you think about it, and it's interesting, we had a talk this week where we were going through and just looking at the overall caliber and quality of, of items. There, there is machine power, certainly with the cloud. We went into the cloud in 2012, which was the best thing we could have done with, with our, our company, the things we do with data, the things we do to crunch data sets and all that we could never do before. And, and a lot of our, our clients, our retailers, uh, they'll send us billions of transaction items on a, on a daily basis in some cases where we have to sort through process and learn from on a, on a regular basis. So we have all that. And then being able within a split second and sometimes 20 or 30 milliseconds come up with a particular content item that makes sense, that'll drive that conversion, that'll delight that customer, that'll keep the customer engaged longer from those parts. So it, it is a case where we just have more and more that goes in on this part. And then the challenge comes into just managing that and understanding it better. But it's really those decisions are, are one where the machine can make them, at the same time bringing that insight and looking for those patterns back to the people that are managing these businesses to pick the right assortments or to go in and make the right decisions of what products they line up or what categories they may end up buying for and other parts as well. So it really, those real-time decisions are, are something that we've had in the past to a degree, but the data sets that we can use now and the more insights we can get on those, those decisions in real time really make a huge difference. Yeah, strengthening those. Um, well, this has been great. I, I uh, want to take the opportunity before we wrap up to give uh, Brian the opportunity for those in our audience that want to learn a little bit more about Coveo, um, the solutions it offers, and how it could potentially uh, help their businesses. Brian, what would you uh, advise them to do? Great. Yeah, you know, we'd love to talk about We've We've got it. A great site, coveo.com, C-O-V-E-O.com. We can hit the e-commerce uh, research part and we got demonstration, got information on there. 
and we provide a lot to to our customers. So there's an item for to look at our, our integrated offerings. We've got a webinar series and others going up. But the best thing is hit our website, and from there uh, get a sense of what we're offering in, in the various different parts and customer stories. So a lot there, and by all means, if there's more of an interest, certainly engage on one of our channels, and we'd be at a point to delightfully connect back and uh, help consult about what we can do. Great. And yeah, a lot of great resources on that website as well. So make sure to check it out. Um, I do want to take the opportunity to thank Brian McGlynn, again, the general manager of e-commerce at Coveo for joining us on uh, today's episode of Total Retail Tech Insights. Thank you, Brian. Thanks, Joe. It's been a pleasure. Thanks again for the invitation. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please check out our podcast channel page at mytotalretail.com slash podcast for show notes. Tech Insights is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review this podcast. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Total Retail Tech Insights.